Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod rating all the Founding Fathers, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe. I'm Cody. I'm Steven. And on this episode, we're rating nobody. Because <laughs> this is a special episode. Special episode alert. Special yeah. episode alert. Yeah, special. Uh, coming to you on July the 2nd, which, okay. if John Adams had had his way, would have been... Our Independence Day. Oh. So, we thought, you know, it, we have a regular episode coming out on July the 4th about Carter Braxton, uh, signer of the Declaration, so we so we, we thought we might throw this uh, little mini-special episode at you, where we kind of go over, you know, the actual vote for independence and the trials and tribulations it went through, and also read the actual document itself, because mm-hmm. it is a document worth remembering i'd say wouldn't you i mean i guess yeah i mean uh, some parts are okay yeah so uh a little bit of background on may 15th 1776 over a year into the revolution the fifth virginia convention meeting to formulate a new constitution for the state instructed its delegates to quote propose to that respectable body congress to declare the United Colonies free and independent states, absolved from all allegiance to or dependence upon the Crown or Parliament of Great Britain, end quote. Mm. And on June 7th, following the instructions of his government, Richard Henry Lee, who we'll be talking about eventually, and yes, he is related to Robert E. Lee, oh, wow. proposed the following resolution to Congress, quote, resolved that these United Colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. That it is expedient forthwith to take the most effectual measures for forming foreign alliances, that a plan of confederation be prepared and transmitted to the respective colonies for their consideration and approbation, end quote. Mm. The resolution was seconded by John Adams, but was tabled for the time being as not all delegations had received instruction on whether or not to support independence. So this is what's called the Lee Resolution. This is the thing that's saying, hey, we're independent. Mm -hmm. So this has now been proposed on June 7th. So in the meantime, since the resolution's been tabled, uh, a committee composed of Adams... Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Robert Livingston, and Roger Sherman was appointed to draft a formal declaration in case independence was approved. Hmm. This draft declaration was presented to Congress on June 28th. In the meantime, Congress had continued to to, uh, debate independence itself. It was decided that a unanimous vote would be required to move forward with with independence, because they didn't want to be like, okay, well... Seven of us agree for independence and six of us don't. Right. That yeah. wouldn't, yeah, technically that's a majority, but it, not. That's really not agree. united. Yeah. So they wanted a united front in this case. Mm-hmm. So. so they do a test vote on July the 1st, kind of like sound out where the colonies are. And they find that Pennsylvania and South Carolina would vote no. Oh. While Delaware would have to abstain to due to a tie in its delegation. Because mm-hmm. remember, like. Yep. They vote. They have one vote per state, but each state has multiple people mm-hmm. in its delegation. And if Delaware has two, one voting yes, one voting no, it's a tie, so they can't vote on it. Yep, stalemate. Uh, New York had still received no instruction anyway, so it would also have to abstain. 
Now, before another vote on July the 2nd, the following day, several things happened to move events forward. Uh, Edward Rutledge of South Carolina managed to convince his fellow members in the South Carolina delegation to vote for independence. And Rutledge will we'll get an episode later on. Um, so, South Carolina is now a yes. Mm. Two Pennsylvania delegates who were opposed to independence were convinced to be absent that day. <laughs> hey, just don't show up today. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Sure you don't have a doctor's appointment or something to be at? <laughs> Dentist appointment? Something. Yeah. Barber? Yeah. You, you, barber? <laughs> you might need a doctor's appointment with those uh, broken kneecaps I see there. <laughs> I don't have any broken kneecaps. Are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, so they're gone. So Pennsylvania is now yes. And most dramatically... Uh, Caesar Rodney of Delaware, who, again, will begin an episode. Uh, he was in Delaware uh, when he learned of, um, of the tie in his state's delegation. So he rode through the night to break his state's tie, and he just very dramatically arrives in Congress, is still in his boots and spurs just as voting begins. <laughs> so he just, like, I, I can just see it now, like, they start voting, and then all of a sudden the doors just crash open. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and, like, this guy, like, he's, like, sp- Mud splatter in his <laughs> boots and stuff. He's like, Delaware votes for independence. <laughs> they're like, we haven't voted. We haven't started yet. Oh. oh. <laughs> we haven't, and they're like, we haven't gotten to Delaware yet. We're only on Massachusetts. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'll just sit I'll down. Just, just, okay. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, 12 of the 13 colonies were in the yes camp. New York still had not received any instruction from its... Um, from its uh, legislature, and they, so they continued to abstain, and it's decided that 12 out of 13 is fine. Because nobody's yeah. actually voting no. Okay. So, like, okay, it's fine. And later on, on July 9th, New York finally does receive, like, hey, vote for independence. And they're like, okay, but we, they already yeah. voted yes for it, but yeah. sure, well, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, so on July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress officially approved the first clause of the Lee Resolution. Which was the independence part. Mm. So Congress approves independence on July the 2nd. Dang. John Adams wrote to Abigail Adams on July the 3rd, quote, The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as a great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward, forevermore. (laughs) He really wanted that July 2nd date. Woo. However, (laughs) Congress still had to approve the final text of the Declaration, which, which they do have. Remember, it was turned in on June 28th. Uh... But they still have to debate the actual text. And some debate on the wording on the 2nd and on July the 3rd. They approve the final text on July the 4th. Mm-hmm. That's where we get it. Yes. On July 19th, Congress ordered like a ni- like a nice embossed like final copy mm. to be dr- written. And that's the, you know, the one in the National Archives. Whoa. Wow. Uh, that, we've, that we have seen. I've seen it. Uh, the delegates would sign that copy on August second. Okay. So, so like, it, uh, yeah. So they don't actually those signatures are like they're on August second. Right. So. Right. Right. And now, dear listeners, we would like to present to you 
a reading of the Declaration of Independence. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous Declaration of the Thirteen United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal stations to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to the to alter the former systems of government. The history of the present king of Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislator, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endured to prevent the population of these states for the purpose of obstructing the laws of naturalizations of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws by establishing judiciary powers. 
He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harness other people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislators. He has affected to render the military independent of a superior to the civil power. He has combined us with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, quartering large bodies of armed troops among us for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. For suspending our own legislatures, and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time by attempts by their legislator to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigrations and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce to the necessity which denounces our separation 
and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, and peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the World for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Signed, 56 Imperfect Men.